Living by God's wisdom instead of the world's, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Where do you go to get wisdom concerning spiritual things? Your local library or college? Or your friend down the street? If you look anywhere other than God and His Word, you'll be disappointed and unsatisfied. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor urges us to go to God for wisdom of the best kind. And the Holy Spirit is alone qualified to supply us that wisdom. That comes to our attention through this passage in 1 Corinthians 2. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, verse 12, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. Really, this section in summary is a comparison and contrast between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of this world. Worldly wisdom and wisdom from God, true wisdom. And he wants us to remember that we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, which makes us very different from this world makes us very distinct. Paul's calling the church in Corinth to understand a basic theology course on wisdom. And he only gives you two options. Every decision you and I make fall into one of two categories. We either make it with the wisdom of God or we make it with the wisdom of this world. We either make it in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit or we make it in our flesh. And most of our decisions, after the fact, we can tell which way we made it. At least other people can, <laughs> if we're blinded to it. But, but you can tell. That's what I, I pray for in discernment as I'm ministering to you, and as I'm counseling you, or as I'm answering a question. It's just asking for the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God on this? Not my opinion, not my experience, not what I've learned, not, not what I've picked up along. What is the wisdom of God for you right now in what you've asked me? What, what is the wisdom of God? And almost always... The wisdom of God is going to flow as your Bible is open. You might have memorized the scripture, and that's cool too, but the wisdom of God flows from his word. And you can understand now a little bit more the value of why you should have a Bible with you everywhere all the time. Even if it's on your iPhone, or your smartphone, or your back pocket, or your glove compartment, or your briefcase, or your drawer in the office on the cubicle, or propped up on your laptop, that's where you're going to get wisdom from God. That's where you're going to gain understanding. The Spirit of God using the Word of God through the people of God, that's how He operates. That's how we bless a lost world, helping them to understand 
the truths of God. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2 because John really draws out the difference from wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. And he uses a different perspective. It might help to shed light on this truth as you see it from a different perspective. Look at 1 John with me, chapter 2. He talks to us and teaches us about this world. And he says, very matter-of-factly in verse 15, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I always think that as Jesus was teaching us about his words, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And I think of the Library of Congress. You know how much knowledge and wisdom is in that place? And only one book's going to survive the end of the age. And all of the books, you know, now they're putting them on the internet and you can access all of the wisdom that's ever been collected of man is going to pass away. It's just going to go. It's not going to last. I sometimes wonder if, if we really value the wisdom of God, if we really want it, that which is eternal. And John, when he looks at the wisdom of this world, he says, don't you love this world? That's a dangerous place to be. And I think if you combine it with what Paul's teaching, I I think a love of this world is going to open a door for the wisdom of this world to overtake you and overtake me. And so he says, be careful. Don't love this world. I know it sounds strange when it's compared to John 3.16, right? Because God so loved this world. But he's talking about two different things. John is talking about here in 1 John, the system and everything that's of the system. When John 3.16, when John's writing the gospel, chapter 3, the world there is referring to people. Again, context is king when that word is used. Don't love this system. Don't fall in love with it. Don't commit to it. This world system is anti-God. All that's in the world, everything that's in this system. And I know you, you might use that word from time to time. You might even hear it used here. It's worldly, worldly. And we define worldly differently, don't we? You know, some people define worldly, well, as dancing and smoking and rock music. That's not even what he's saying here. All of our human efforts to define worldly. He's going far deeper than these outward actions and saying, where is your heart and who are you loyal to? He's not trying to list. John's not listing out some legalistic trip for you to be careful how you're not worldly. He's saying, watch your heart, because that's where worldliness resides. Materialism. Okay, I won't be materialistic anymore. The only way you'll get outside of materialism is to have a love for the Lord. Because if you love this world, then you're going to love the way the world works. You get sucked into it, which is easy for all of us. He says, be careful not to love this world. I mean, it's true, the world has a lot of enticing temptations. (laughs) The world can cheat. Did you know that? (laughs) You and I, we walk in integrity and the power of love, but the world cheats. They don't play by the same rules. And so they have an onslaught of crazy, unspiritual weapons to tear you and I down away from the Father. But in our decisions, we need to measure them 
not in some list that might have developed, because some of you could have even grown up on a list that defined this is worldly, this is worldly, stay away from this worldly stuff. But rather, it would be easier to ask, does this, is what I'm about to do, is it, is it going to draw me closer to the Father? Is it going to make me more in love with God? Is it going to make me more in love with people? Or is it not? As the world tries to influence us at every turn, the weapons are getting more effective. I mean, you know, most of us growing up, we didn't have the Internet like we have today. We went back to the... You remember when you went to go to the library and you had to take out the card catalog? You remember that? You couldn't just look something or You couldn't Google anything at the library. You had to wait in line. If somebody had your big roll of cards, you had to wait. And some of you are looking at me like, what? What's a card, man? <laughs> I've grown up with Google, I know, and it's been a temptation to you that, that you don't even realize. Because it's a way of life. You couldn't look something up on your phone. You just pick out your, you know, your cell phones, you know, you had to carry them in a wheelbarrow when they first came out. You, the cordless phone that I grew up was, was a long cord. That's how the phone went around the house. You picked it up and you took it wherever you... You and I are in a world that's constantly, just like Daniel says, knowledge is increasing and increasing and increasing in those latter days. And the same tool, the Internet, that the gospel is going out right now live to hundreds, if not thousands of people connected with our church around the world, the same technology that people get saved with is the same technology that the enemy uses to pull people down with stupid internet pornography that is absolutely false and not real, and it's wiping guys out and gals. Studies are showing the numbers of gals being tripped up with internet pornography is rising to the levels of guys, and it's just become accepted, an accepted secret sin. That doesn't even make sense, does it? but it is what's happening, and it's killing the church, let alone marriages and kids. And, like, you don't even think what this is going to do to your kid, how you're going to hurt your wife and your... you just single, you know, your future wife. And there's freedom in Jesus in repentance. And Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, what do you do? Cut it off. And your right hand might just be that cable from the wall to your computer... You just need to cut it off. And so we share that with some, you know, the crisis. Oh, it's a crisis, Ed. My marriage, and what is it? Well, it's pornography, and I can't, I can't help it. Okay, cut it off. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. I need my computer for work. No, you need your wife to trust you. And you need to find another job that doesn't require your computer. Oh, no, Ed, then I'd lose my Then you need to lose your house for the Lord. Oh, you don't want, you need to lose everything because your life is more valuable than the temptation until you learn how to walk in the strength of the Lord and not have to deal with that and be free from it the rest of your life. Yeah, that's what I hear on the counseling. That's what I hear. I want help. Okay, here's the help. This is the wisdom of God. Cut it off. Oh, no, I can't really do that. What else do you want to hear? It's the truth, and it's happening more and more. The only reason it's not happening more and more than we already see is because you're trying to hide it. And you're really not hiding it from God. I know I use internet pornography, but you know what? You could take a pencil eraser and erase that and just fill in what the enemy's tripped you up with. 
what this world system has happened because you love the world. The Bible speaks of Moses leaving Egypt. It speaks of him choosing God rather than the passing pleasures of sin. Or the phrase that we might use today, that season of pleasure that sin might bring. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. There would be no temptation if there would be no desire for pleasure. Can you imagine, you know, can you imagine the enemy when you're praying, praying and fasting this next week, tempting you with Brussels sprouts? That ain't going to happen. It's going to be that gift, you know, of that, that uh, edible arrangement that just comes on Wednesday. And you're like, where did this come from? And somebody wanted to bless you, but it's like, no, why this Wednesday? Can you take it back and bring it back next week? And you're not going to be tempted with something that doesn't attractive to you, that isn't something you desire. It's not a temptation for you. And so don't love the world. It's not, it's not good for us. And we'd so narrowly divine worldly when, well, it was Spurgeon that said this. Check this out. It says, I believe one reason why the church of God at this time has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. Oh, wow. I mean, you could rephrase that. I believe one reason why such and such has so little influence over so and so is because the world has more influence over that person than God does. Wow. And so we're called to repel. We're called to walk in the Spirit. Back in 1 Corinthians real quick before we leave. I just want to draw this out for you so you can pray about it. And by the way, if you want some homework tonight, John chapter 14 is a great parallel with this section on the Spirit. Paul really is just repeating what Jesus spoke about with the Spirit of God that he would send after he ascended into heaven. So if you want to compare them, it's really powerful as you see the continuity of the Spirit throughout the Scriptures. But in verse 14, it says, The natural man, this is chapter 2 now, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so here lies the real reason why people don't believe in Jesus Christ. This is it right here. The natural man doesn't get it. And even if you had the most persuasive argument, which I think is good to be prepared, and even if you try to answer every one of their questions, which I think it's valid to understand their questions and answer them biblically, and even if you you have to go study something in apologetics to help them understand what the Bible says, even with all that time and preparation, it's still only the Spirit of God that's going to open their eyes. He's going to use the tool of his word to do that, but it's still just going to be. So, so don't take that burden upon yourself. You know, sometimes you'll share the gospel, and I don't, I don't know if you, but I've done this many times where I've been sharing the gospel, and, and I just feel beat up like they got me. I didn't have an answer or anything. But when I went to my car, like every single answer popped into my head, and I went, oh, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Why didn't I think of this? Why? And then I was just like, oh, Lord, what was I not prepared? And I start to beat myself up over that, when in reality, the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Lord. And I'm just, I can be okay with, maybe I missed a scripture, maybe I didn't have the right answer. And just knowing that the Lord's going to open the door the next time, I don't need to take, and you don't need to take the responsibility of salvation upon yourself because you can't open anyone's eyes. All you can do is love people, be a demonstration of the Lord to them. Much of our witnessing is ineffective. Much of our witnessing is ineffective because we simply fail to pray. This is what John Corson wrote in his commentary. I love it. He says, much of our witnessing is ineffective because we fail to pray, Lord, please remove the blindfold Satan has put on the person's eyes. 
Otherwise, he won't see the real issues. Please open his ears, otherwise he won't hear your voice. This especially happens with siblings, where you're trying to share the gospel with your brother or sister physically, and you get so beat up and bent out of shape, and, and you probably forgot to pray, Lord, I need them to open their ears. And you're going to go in and go, <clears throat> I'm going to get them. And really what the Holy Spirit is saying, no, I'll, I'll go get them for you. Just go love them. Be prepared for them. Only the Spirit of God can bring truths to life. And yet, in verse 15, those of us that know, those of us that know Jesus by way of relationship, we understand the beautiful things of the Spirit. Every time you open the Word, you learn something new. Every time you open the Word, it's effective in your life. Every time you open the Word, it doesn't return void. As a believer, it just blows your mind all the things you can learn about Jesus. And those of you who have been walking with the Lord a long, long time, you can come up and share the testimony that, hey, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and I'm still learning new stuff because of the work of the Spirit in your life. And so those that aren't saved, they just don't see it. And that's what we need to be praying for, that the Lord would open their eyes. One other thing, I know I'm almost out of time, but one one other thing I want you to, to understand, just in your relationships after you get saved. Sometimes our relationship and friendships and work relationships and things going on at school where last week or prior to getting saved, you were partying with them and hanging out with them, joking with them, course jesting. You were just living a life. And then you got saved and that kind of stuff stopped. And I don't know if you've noticed, but not everybody's happy that you've got saved. Not not everybody's happy because you probably were like the the funniest one out of the bunch and you could cut this and you could do this. But now... You're kind of walking with the Lord. You're actually sharing with people, you know what? I I love Jesus now, and and, and it's a real change in my life, and you need Jesus. And not everybody's happy. You know why? Because the natural man has a real hard time with you walking in Jesus. The natural man has a real tough time that you as a child of God, the natural man doesn't understand you anymore. And that lies the tension. They don't understand you. He doesn't understand the joy that you now have in Jesus, the satisfaction, the peace that passes all understanding. All the natural man does is strive and struggle to have what you have by way of faith. They're working, working, trying to do this and trying to do that, and just to have that peace of mind, that, that nest egg, that stability, and you by faith have it automatically. So much so that when the storms of life come, you're steady and strong. Not because you have drastically changed how you view life, but because now you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And the natural man just doesn't get it. They see you smiling, they see you joyful, and they don't understand it. And because they don't understand it, they don't like it. I remember the first time when I got saved back in way years ago when I got saved, the way that they used to treat me, they'd just call me preacher boy. And one guy even knocked my Bible out of my hand, like, what's that all about? I think he wanted to start a fight. And maybe, you know, a few months earlier, we would have had a fight right there in the parking lot. But it got fired right at work in our uniforms. But he didn't understand. As a matter of fact, most people I worked with didn't understand because they were natural. They couldn't see the spiritual things. They don't even understand the peace of God, let alone that someone could have that kind of peace. And they even look at you. Sometimes they might even ask you, what do you do for fun? Like, what's fun for you? Well, I, I pray, I hang out with my wife, I read the Bible, I go to church, and they don't get it, do they? Where are you going tonight? To church. What? Yeah, you should come with me. Oh, man, I don't, I don't know, man. That doesn't sound like fun to me. Oh, no, it's, it's fun. 
I enjoy the Lord. You never know what God's going to do. And they don't get it. And they just can't understand that your life is so rich and full. They don't understand that things have drastically changed for you and you have meaning and purpose in life. And so just be open to that. Just understand it. It might give you a little more compassion for the people that have been dogging you lately. They've been trying to push the buttons in your life. They don't understand you. And the only one that can give them understanding is the Spirit of God. And the only way they're going to gain the Spirit of God is by repenting of their sins. Some of you might need to do that tonight. To repent of your sins and to surrender your life to Jesus who died for you and rose again. And Jesus is alive even now, empowering the words that I've shared with you as it relates to your life to bring them alive in you so that you'll come to this place where you acknowledge that your only hope is in him. And even the words that I'm sharing, right, they're, they're powerful in the spirit of God. Because as a pastor, I can't save you. As a church, we can't save you. We can't set you up in some form of religion and then say, go ahead and do this the rest of your life and hopefully you'll make it. That's what man's religion really does. Here's a set of rules and regulations. I hope you follow them well because if you don't, you're in trouble. And by the way, if you don't, we've got a way that you can always come back to man and, and we'll give you that assurance and we'll give you that satisfaction. You come back every week if you want to. You can come right into this box and you can confess your sins and, and we'll give you something to do and you can go do them and that'll give you that piece of, of satisfaction until the next time you fail and you can always come back to the man. That's religion. A relationship with Jesus is, is you, you live for him by faith and he takes care of your life. And that if you were stranded in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, God would still be there with you. And if you were dropped off on some deserted island, God would still be there for you. That's how much he loves you and cares for you. And it could just be that the God of the universe is calling you back to simplicity, preparing you for many of us. And God might just be preparing you with the timing of this message to be compassionate, to ask for the patience and the long-suffering of the Lord and to allow him to use you as a vessel so that through your life, he can penetrate their life and bring conviction to their souls. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been listening into a message from Pastor Ed Taylor called To Know Nothing But Jesus and Him Crucified. Hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org or through our app, which can be found by searching for Calvary Aurora. We've picked out a wonderful book by A.W. Tozer this month that we think you'll benefit from. It's The Pursuit of God. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and it's something every believer can experience, not just a select few. In this book, Tozer uses examples from Scripture and from the lives of Christians who have lived with a thirst for God to show us the path to a closer walk with the Lord. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of The Pursuit of God. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE or make your request and donation online at calvaryaurora.org. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed is with me now, inviting you all to attend our Good Friday and Easter services at Calvary Aurora. Well, Larry, it's Friday, and depending on when someone's listening to this, Good Friday services are at noon here at Calvary, and then tomorrow and Sunday is 
our time of gathering. We have five services tomorrow night, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And then Sunday morning, we'll be up for our modified sunrise service indoors with the heat on and our windows open, our shades up, I should say, 6.45 in the morning. And I'm always encouraged by how many people come out, 6.45, start out the day. And then 8.45 and 10.45. And it's always a glorious time as the church is full with people that aren't normally in church. That's why we get to preach the gospel and encourage them. And if you haven't been in church in a while, pick one and come. And whether you're here in the metro area or you want to go to a local Calvary next to you, please find yourself seeking the Lord this weekend as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a great time, and we'd love to have you join us. For those of you outside the area, you can join us, too, online. Our services will be streamed at calvaryaurora.org. On behalf of Pastor Ed Taylor, his wife Marie, and all of us at Abounding Grace, may God bless you richly as you celebrate the risen Lord this weekend. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.